0: Boogie well, hates racism and Chris
1: Paul, and who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it, that sounds too That no, ro- uh, ro- no, no, I was getting No, 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 they they no, no. <laughs>
2: if
1: the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep. Uh, well, kind of. I am Ty Windisch, host of the Eurostep, not joined by my spunky co-host Rohan Kadi or any other of our GSPN friends, this is actually a spot I did with Justin Rowan of the Chase Down a Tremendous Cleveland Cavaliers podcast after the Bucks dispatched the Cavs in a thrilling game on Wednesday night. So we had a conversation about that game, the Cavs, Evan Mobley, Giannis, the Bucks, of course, the Jordan War game a little bit there at the end, uh, and all sorts of stuff. Really fun conversation. Just wanted to share with Eurostep listeners. So be sure if you're not already subscribed to the Chase Down, go do that. They cover the Cavs, but really do awesome work featuring other teams as well. So plug is over. Podcast begins
3: now. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Roan. No Carter Rodriguez on the podcast today. He is once again running from the grind. So I brought on one of my favorite people to talk basketball with about my least favorite game of the season, Ty Windish of the Eurostep podcast. Ty, how you doing, buddy? Welcome back.
1: I'm great. I was gonna say I love when you lie on air for me, but then you said the least favorite game part, I think, brought it back to more reality, but I'm great. (laughs) The Milwaukee Bucks sneak out a win against the feisty Cleveland Cavaliers, losing streak aside, Uh, and it was kind of a, I mean, maybe not a fun game for your side, from the Bucks side, and I think... You know, at least late in the game, it really did seem like in that fourth quarter that oh, they might they might come steal this thing. We've seen the Darius Garland Heroics, certainly this season Donovan Mitchell Heroics. I we did get a little quiet on our live stream for the game, but um <laughs> happy that the Bucks ended up pulling it out somehow.
3: Yeah, the, the Cavs suffered their first blowout loss of the season. Uh it did look like that fourth quarter, that, you know, when you cut it to uh, under 10 points with uh, over 7 minutes to go, that's that's a legitimate comeback. I, I had joked with Carter, I said maybe we'll see a, a fake comeback to protect the net rating tonight. Did not happen, but you know, they they got within that range where you could actually have a legitimate one that I, I wouldn't just make fun of. But um, it, it, it was an interesting game. Obviously, uh, Milwaukee Bucks very shorthanded coming into this game. Cavs uh, without Dean Wade and Jared Allen. Uh, obviously missed the presence of both of those guys on the defensive end of the court. Uh, but I, I thought the Cavs had more than enough coming into this game to to come away with a win. I I've, I've felt that way throughout this five game losing streak. And honestly, the first half, I thought the Cavs outplayed the Bucks. Um, I thought they outplayed the Bucs by a larger margin than the score. Um, in, in the first half, the real things that jumped out was the Bucks out-rebounded them, uh, especially on the offensive glass, giving themselves those extra possessions. And while later in the game, I think there were more breakdowns from the Cavs on, on the defensive uh, end of the floor, uh, especially guarding the three-point line, I thought the first half they actually did a good job defending the three Bucks were just hitting a, a lot of contested shots in that first half. And I, I think once they got into a groove, it, it was tough to turn that faucet back off.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, which is a little bit of a rarity for this version of the Bucks, As you mentioned with the injuries, Chris Middleton yet to play this season. Um, seems like coming back from wrist surgery. And also it's kind of been a little quietly reported that he's dealing with a death in the family as well. So certainly oh, a lot geez. going on for Chris. Pat Connaughton um, with a calf strain in the preseason, didn't play at all, was probable the day of the game, doesn't end up playing. So those are, you know, two of the Bucks' best three shooters, Grayson Allen, also in that conversation, also out tonight after getting hurt on Monday. So the Bucks really needed this after some games recently where I think last game outside of rookie MarJon Beauchamp, Serge Ibaka and Jordan Wara, they were like oh for fourteen from deep. So this has not been the norm, but Brook Lopez really carried a lot of the load from the shooting wise. Jordan yeah, they Moore didn't love up him late. going
3: full Clay Thompson, the seven foot Clay Thompson, because like those shots were ridiculously far oh, yeah. behind the arc. And I, the Brook Lopez resurgence—I mean, I, so I know cool. the Bucks have dealt with a lot of injuries, but especially coming off the the surgery he had last season, it's that has definitely been one of the the bright spots for Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, just the fact that he he looks better than last season defensively. I thought he looked fine overall given that he came back from basically getting like some of his his, his spine like shaved, I think. The discs, like pretty pretty serious thing for a 7 foot 260 or whatever uh, player or for anyone. For that I wouldn't want that to happen to me. I don't do anything physical at all.
3: No. Um no. but
1: the defense looks better this year. The shot looks great. There was just a great piece in the Athletic from Eric name about how he's working with this shot thing that calls out your angles and everything and really reworked his jumper. And it's like going into like age 34, age 35 season, like Brooke Lopez being that dedicated, that open to change, I think is really cool. And yeah, it showed off tonight, seven for nine from deep. He's been the bucks most consistent player. I would say this season, Giannis dealing with some injuries, been up and down. I won't say their best, but he's been great this year. And he certainly was, I think playing against Robin, Kind of added a little bit of fuel to the fire too.
3: Yeah, I I, I was going to fight you if you <laughs> stuck with him being their best player because I think no. Giannis is the best player in the league at, yep. at this point. Um, you know, this is not a trend that I love with the Cavs. Not not just <laughs> the losing, but the the plain teams that you know are due for a good shooting night or are due like really kind of want to get a win. I think that was the case with Sacramento, uh, where uh, obviously the, the Garland dealing with the flu there wasn't helpful, but. Uh, coming off two losses where it was basically taken away from them by the refs. Clippers were looking to get right. Warriors were, are trying to get back on track. And that was the game they decided to stop playing their young guys that had basically cost them all the games early in the season. It's it's definitely disappointing. The, the Minnesota one's a bit of an outlier uh, with um, Mitchell, Allen, and Wade out. Um, I, that, that one yeah. I, I have a harder time having real takeaways from this one. But I I thought the Cavs actually did a very good job on Giannis. I I thought the uh, decision to start Lamar Stevens was a smart one. Uh, I know we had talked prior to the game and I I was talking about how I'd probably go Robin Lopez. Um, But when I I, I heard that Lamar had gotten the start, I was like, you know what? That does make some sense because he's obviously got more of kind of the lateral mobility to, to stick with Giannis as well as some of the strength to deal with him. Uh, Cavs. Unfortunately, their their strategy of trying to take charges was not something that the refs were going for in the first half. Um Ethical they,
1: basketball. Appreciated that from the <laughs> officials. That's ethics right there.
3: You, you know what? It, there's only so much you can do, and, and uh, yeah. a, at least they were consistent with it. Uh, the, the Bucks didn't try to take as many charges as the Cavs, but the uh, the officials were not calling any of those. But I thought Lamar did a, a really good job on Giannis. Can Can you speak to uh, kind of the the job the Cavs did overall on, on Giannis because I mean he still had 16 12 and 8 but on 6 of 18 shooting but uh, for a player as good as Giannis I, I thought that was one of the the kind of bright spots for the Cavs on a overall shaky night defensively
1: yeah he was frustrated and I think some of it stems from before this game he's been in a funk he missed a couple of games with knee soreness which always kind of pops up here and there for Giannis given that he is a superhuman, literally a freak, right? The Greek freak. Um, so not that, not that he's, I think, overly hampered. He's still playing, right? But he's still a force of nature. Um, but I think certainly the Cavs did a good job. I like Lamar over, I mean, Mobley, I think would have been interesting to see more of Obviously with some possessions. Um, but mm-hmm. Robin Lopez, like if you don't have the lateral speed, it's just really hard with how fast he can get by guys. So I think this, it reminded me a little bit of, the way the Heat and Suns, both with Jay Crowder, boss man, would defend Giannis, Mm -hmm. where I really expected to see more of, you know, oh, it's got to be Bam on Giannis, and they don't have a backline defense. No, instead put a smaller guy on him who's at least going to stay in front of him, make him work, go through him, maybe pick up some offensive fouls. As you said, that didn't really happen this game. And then kind of, you know, bring in the the defense behind him. And that even, I mean, obviously – With Jared Allen healthy, that gives you a much better defensive line. But still Mobley and and some guys, other other perimeter players helping from the nail, did a good job not let he did not get in a rhythm all night. Doesn't end up with eight assists, moved the ball well, took advantage of the space that that was created there. Um, but certainly usually, you know, even if the defense is collapsing, he'll move the ball well and still go get thirty. So it's always an impressive job, win or lose to some extent, when you hold Giannis to sixteen on eighteen shots. Like that says you worked hard as a defense and you had a pretty good plan.
3: Yeah. And, and when we had talked about the game before that I had been an advocate for kind of having Mobley as being the help guy, right? The, uh, someone that's able, yeah, yeah. To, to provide that support. I think Giannis Draymond, like that, that's the archetype that I, I like to see Evan Mobley in. And that's why I've always been such an advocate for keeping him with a traditional center. Um, but you know, like, when you look at the night overall, and I'll definitely get to Mobley a little bit later because I thought he had an awesome game. Um, it, it definitely felt like the Cavs, the game plan was to slow down Giannis and hoping that that would be enough. And in the first half, you know, they, they really committed to, to slowing him down, to to disrupt his rhythm and, and limit his effectiveness. And I thought the rotations were good beyond that. But then as other guys started to get rolling and, and the rest of the supporting cast really stepped up for, for uh, Atlanta, it just, the breakdown started to, to become a little bit more frequent. And I, I think especially that occurred uh, with Kevin Love out there. Uh, there was moments where he was kind of playing center and, and there was a lot of difficulties on the defensive end there. Um, but, you know, it almost reminded me of when the Cavs would play the Budenholzer Hawks, where there's so much commitment to trying to slow down LeBron. And eventually, like, Giannis is going to make those same reads. And when the role players start getting going, and you have a J.R. Smith or a Channing Frye knocking down a bunch of threes, like, Brooke Lopez played the role of Channing Frye against Budenholzer tonight. And once those threes start going down, you start kind of second-guessing. You you start, uh, like, the the rotations become a a half-step slower. And eventually, I, I, in the third quarter, which I think was the story of the game, um, the, those breakdowns just became way too frequent and they were giving up open looks. What, what adjustments to you stood out from the Milwaukee standpoint of uh, what Milwaukee did after halftime to make that third po- uh, quarter so decisive in their favor?
1: Yeah, it seemed like I mean, I think the defense stepped up a little bit. I mean, a lot of those looks to the Cavs, I guess not to their credit, maybe, but to less of their defensive detriment. Did feel like they were coming on transition and semi transition. And I yeah. think part of what stood out to me from this game just generally, and it's probably a bigger talking point we can circle back to, but I think, you know, Garland and Mitchell looked so good early. And it, it felt it felt early for, you know, we're chatting with Bucks fans and stuff, and it's like, oh, it's it's over. Like they're not gonna be able to catch up because you know, they just don't have the offensive firepower outside of Giannis. That's consistent night to night. Obviously, tonight they did with Brooke Lopez and, and War and some other guys. But I think really the physical defense the Bucks play, and especially Javon Carter, who's going to press guys 90 feet from the rim, I think it felt like the backcourt for the Cavs got just a little bit worn down and those semi-contested looks just weren't falling as much. I think both guys ended up shooting like fairly inefficiently overall. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like around them, like with Kevin Love, with the defense, right? I think he only shot three times, which I was like kind of concerned about Kevin Love coming in, especially – Giannis tends to drift away from guys, so if he's got that assignment, like, oh, I can see Kevin Love lighting up the Bucs a little bit, holding him to only a couple shots, I think is a win for the Bucs, and just keeping him off the floor. And outside of that, I mean, like Lamar Stevens knocks down a couple threes to his credit, the Bucs weren't respecting him. He did make them pay a bit for that. Just wasn't enough other offensive firepower. So I think the Bucs on the defensive end kind of weathering the early storm from those star guards and then kind of slowing down the Cavs offense and really getting out and running on the other end, Helped make that happen offensively, though. I think, you know, Giannis shooting a little less, distributing a little more and even playing more without him and just, you know, going away from, okay, I'm going to size up Lamar Stevens and, you know, I'm just going to take him and win. Cause that's what I do wasn't really working. I think they focused more on ball movement and, you know, really getting shots for Brooke Lopez who just could not miss.
3: Yeah, and I think that speaks to the maturity in Giannis's game because I think earlier in his career, it, he would take that matchup personally where it's, okay, you're you're sticking Lamar Stevens on me. Uh, I'm a little frustrated. I'm just going to keep, you know, ramming my head into the wall and uh, try to get to the free throw line. But he, he kind of just trusted his teammates, and that's one of the things, one of the progressions in his game that – to, to me, that's why I, I have the Bucs as the best team in the league. I have him as the best player in the league. Like, t- this is just a really well-run team. And the fact that they've been able to navigate these injuries, I think it, it goes to show that, hey, this is a group that's been together for a while. They know how to navigate injuries. They know how to navigate guys being in and out of the lineup. And when you have a player as good as Giannis, even when he has an off game, uh, you're he's able to contribute in a lot of different ways. Um, but I, I completely agree, like as bad as the third quarter was for the Cavs and, and uh, a lot of focus has gone on to the defensive end. I think the offense was worse than the defense, honestly, like uh, 18 points. And a lot of that 18 kind of came in the last couple minutes of the quarter as well. Uh, 18 to 34 was the deficit. That was the story of the game. Uh, that, honestly, that's been the story of the last two games for the Cavs is one bad quarter that kind of really sinks everything uh, against Minnesota. It was the first quarter. Against Milwaukee was the third. And uh, the offense, just overall, it was not working when Darius Garland wasn't on the court. Uh, When Garland was on the court, uh, they were only minus one uh, for the night, uh, was his personal plus minus. But, you know, 23 points, eight assists, four rebounds, two stocks. Uh, I I thought overall uh, he had a good game. A little bit of trouble finishing on the inside, uh, some of that finishing around the rim. Uh, wasn't there I, I think a few times he was trying to draw contact that that just wasn't there and, and threw up some wild attempts um, but that slump that Donovan Mitchell went through in, in the middle of the game really hurt them as well oh for um, six
1: in the third quarter for Mitchell I was just pulling up the individual stats from that period
3: yeah he, he had a one of 11 stretch in, in the Ooh. middle of the game and that's that's going to hurt especially on a yeah. night when you are down Jared Allen and that's going to to limit some of the the easy offense that you're able to get off of his pick and roll action and uh, really kind of the the bread and butter of what the Cavs do. If Donovan's not hitting shots and, and kind of goes through one of those cold funks, that that's really going to make things difficult for you. But uh, credit to Milwaukee, man. Like they, they consistently stuck with the game plan and really going five out or, you know, four out and Giannis because, uh, as he said, you got to even it out somehow, right? Like, he he's a monster in the paint. He's yeah. a monster passing. He, he can do it all. He just can't hit threes. Um, so those
1: clips are so funny. Uh, the, he gives the staff for the shoes, and he's saying all this stuff it does, and the guy goes, help me shoot better? And Giannis is like, I don't know about that. Like I, I, Talk I just, about being I don't self-aware, don't man.
3: Honestly, I think it's criminal that the league hasn't done more to push him as the face Couldn't of the league. Like, he's more. such a great interview. He, he's just... One of the most likable dudes, and not not when he's beating my team, but you know, <laughs> outside of that, really likable dude. Um, what was I going to say? I, I lost my train of thought because that was just one of my favorite quotes. But um, yeah, go, going four out with Giannis. Really stretch the Cavs out because what what makes the Jared Allen, Evan Mobley pairing so unique is not only are they so good at rim protection, they're able to get out on the perimeter. And Dean Wade's a really important part of that as well. Like when the Cavs had their late season slide last year, the absence of Dean Wade, the, the season ending injury that Dean Wade suffered was not brought up enough because He's someone that can rotate over and be a very good rim protector and defender, but he can actually stick with wings, right? Like, he he's, yeah. was disruptive on Jason Tatum. I think he would have drawn a lot of minutes uh, against Giannis in this matchup as well, like the combination between he and Lamar. And, you know, when you're down two guys that have the ability to both guard on the perimeter and protect the rim, that's, yeah. that's going to leave your defense vulnerable.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, on the other side for the Bucks defense, give some credit I, to Javon Carter, who really mm. has been kind of—I won't say unsung because we won't shut up about him—but one of like the heroes of this stretch without all the players from Milwaukee. I mean, the, he starts the season as a starter, which shocked us when you know Drew and everyone except Chris is playing, and really has never given up that spot. And then has a I think a thirty-six and twelve game against OKC where they pull out an overtime win, has twenty something in six against the Spurs. A little quieter tonight, but still 11 on 5 for 10 shooting and 8 assists. As a, Basically just has stepped in as their starting point guard, still giving great defense. I think he took some more shifts on Mitchell as part of that second half, and that might have been one of the Bucks' quieter adjustments. And then Brooke Lopez, for all the talk about the offense, is like just relentless at the rim. The, our, our thing is yelling just don't try him when guys try him. And I mean, at one point standing still, I think it was Garland, he got trying to just go up, and, and Brooke just kind of reaches over. it's just like, no, like – Trying Brooker on the rim is... I'll never forget the the Rockets game. The young Rockets just kept trying to dunk on him. And he's just like sending him out of bounds, man. Like you gotta... I, I get wanting to climb the mountain and there's not much left to play for in that game maybe. But I, if it's me, I'm making business decisions if I see Brook Lopez. I'll tell you that much.
3: Look, you gotta make a business decision when you see a track record like that. Yeah, having a 3D center is, is definitely a luxury. And especially on a team like like milwaukee and and around a player like you honestly there really isn't a more perfect center to have like it's amazing the evolution of his career where he went from like the most traditional big man Mm -hmm. on the planet to you know like a legitimate stretch five that goes seven for nine against the Cavs.
1: it's literally like there's a little bit of melee's. i think i pronounced that wrong among bucks fans of like what's the brooks succession plan and, like, obviously the only other true center on the roster is Serge Ibaka. He's not succeeding anyone, right? And Mamu just not a center, more of a four. <laughs> Funky player, fun player, but he's not going to be their long-term center. And I kind of get it because, like, how do you replace a guy like that? Like, I think he is, in skill set-wise, one of the more unique players in the league. I think, like, Miles Turner, I guess you could put there. Yeah. Little different, I think, and, and you know, would be I think a great buck in the future, but we'll see. He's still, you know, trying his hardest to go to the Lakers right now anyway. But uh it's just it's so cool. I, I, I really, like you I,
3: campaigning for him. You're you're going to get fined for tampering here, buddy.
1: Well listen, I he should first. If he's not getting <laughs> yeah, fined for tampering, that's I think a I point. should be okay. Yeah. Not all of us not of all not all of us work for the teams we're podcasting about. <laughs> I know you forget that sometimes. I'm I am just a I'm in the wilderness here. Um, But he's really like such an irreplaceable player for them. And we've talked about, you know, they're without Chris sometimes. And obviously that ended up being too much against Boston. But it's almost harder to be without Brooke Lopez than a guy like Chris because no one else on the team does that skill set. And Giannis spent all of last season, like, I miss Brooke so much. I hate having to play center this much. I hate Mm -hmm. not having him behind me. All of that stuff. So. Yeah, it really, I'm glad we're getting to appreciate Brooke here. And he obviously had a night worth appreciating, um, but all the little things he does, like such a unique and, and great buck.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
3: Were you at all surprised that with the Cavs kind of being forced to go smaller tonight, that Milwaukee went bigger and, you know, like with Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez and Giannis out there and that it was as effective as it was like that, that to me kind of stood out as kind of one of the the key points of the game was, okay, Milwaukee's going bigger. What impact does this have? Well, I I certainly think it had an impact on the Cavs finishing on the inside, but you know, like, from the, the standpoint of like who the Cavs were starting, I was a little surprised that Karis Levert wasn't able to do more with Bobby Portis matched up against him. Like I, I felt like that was kind of one of the more missed opportunities in this game where if you can't take advantage of that matchup, if you can't like get him out in space, um, you know, expose him in transition, like you I, I understand that like Karis is trying to play more team basketball, and I, I think overall it's been very helpful. But that, that stood out to me as kind of one of the missed opportunities when you're kind of looking at how these teams match up.
1: Yeah, especially the funny thing that Lamar does make them pay. Because I, right when you're playing that big, to a certain level, you're kind of just betting against the other perimeter players, right? I mean, funny enough, the healthy Cavs are one of the teams that would actually probably be relatively as big as the Bucks played tonight. But without Allen, they're, they're just not. Um but it, I do think it's a little bit of just a bet against, you know, the Lamar Stevenses, Carrot Leverts of the world, Evan Mobley who doesn't attempt a three. Okoro had to play a lot tonight with all the injuries, and you know, Kevin Love didn't get to play as much, Rollo plays a bit, Rollo, Rolo, Rollo, whatever, Robin Lopez.
3: Um <laughs> Rollo and Rolo. Come on, you gotta get yeah, it. Yeah, I don't
1: I don't know I don't know why. Former Buck, Buck's legend, Robin Lopez. I don't know why I get that nickname wrong. But I think the Bucks just kind of bet against the the Cavs perimeter shooting to a certain extent and ended up winning out. The other thing though is it's not that bold of a bet just because the other options on the roster are just just not there to the same extent. I mean, Wara played great. You know, we had argued for him not even playing on this version of the team in in prior podcasts. Um, George Hill has been a lot quieter than he was tonight a lot of the season. Um, You know, then you get into like AJ Green, Mamu, your two way guys. So with with who Brooke Giannis, and Bobby are on the roster I think they're always going to play to a certain extent, but I think we saw them really succeed and the bucks were able to lean into that against Cleveland
3: yeah and I think some people might say, well you know like when you're swapping out Lamar Stevens for Jared Allen, are you really losing spacing but the vertical spacing is very important right like yeah. what Jared Allen is able to do as a screen setter the the threat of him as a lob uh in the lob game like just um his understanding of where to be I I think is really a big deal for the Cavs offense and uh when you have you know Garland Mitchell and then Mobley who's starting to you know in flashes show more on the offensive end I think sometimes it's easy to forget about the impact that Jared Allen has um hopefully he'll be back soon um he I think the actual like he he had been dealing with some ankle soreness and uh, but I think the the reason he was listed as out was uh, non COVID illness uh, for this game. So it's going you know, around, man. Yeah, it, it's definitely going around. And Garland was dealing with it last week. Uh, you know, you beat the Lakers, you win the battle, but you lose the war. Uh, the yeah. the whole team was playing with the flu. So may, maybe it, it's illness. Maybe it's just the the stink. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But it, it seems to stick with the Cavs. But, you know, like Jared hasn't played uh, since Friday. So maybe, you know, if he's a little under the weather, it was a good opportunity to get him some rest and maybe help out with that ankle soreness. Hopefully he's back Friday. Um, I I think Cavs have a good opportunity to have a get right game against Charlotte on Friday. Uh, I saw LaMelo Ball went down with an injury tonight. Uh, You hate to see that, especially when uh, he's already missed so much of the season. I love watching the Cavs against LaMelo. Um, yeah. so disappointed to see that, but it is, you know, an opportunity going into a, a homestand to, uh, to get on the right track. This five game losing streak, uh, I was trying to figure out when this would be the longest losing streak since, and I was surprised. Apparently the month of November is not great for the Cats because <laughs> the Cats last November went on a five game losing streak. Wow. Uh, they actually fell to nine and 10, which, you know, when you go, this is a great example of just how long an 82 game season is, because the start of the year, looking back on it now, you just think, oh, yeah, man, it was so much fun. And, and like all the yeah. way through January, the vibes were good. They were winning all these games. They're half game out of first place in the Eastern Conference. I don't remember the Cavs falling <laughs> to below 500 at the 19 game mark. That, that, yeah. that to me, doesn't seem real. Honestly, it seems as unreal as Dylan Windler playing 50 games last season, which, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, another injury setback for him. Hopefully, he will be uh, able to bounce back. But, yeah, just one of those things and one of those reminders that a, an NBA season is a damn long thing.
1: It's so funny because there are, and I, I know you can relate to this, but so many fans right now are the Bucs. I like... At least before now, now things are good, right? Before this game, like pretty doom and gloom with the mm-hmm. injuries. And, you know, it's like lingering stuff, you know, knock on wood. Things have changed on Bucks injury reports before, but nothing currently expected to be a, a weeks or months long from here setback. Yeah. They lose two straight games with so many guys out. And there's just like all this, oh man, they're, they're never going to get healthy. The seasons, it's like, guys, it's mid November. Like <laughs> none of this will stick out. If they can get healthy, a week from now, a month from now, none of this will matter. And that's funny you said about the Cavs 9 and 10 in November because, like, as a, you know, league watcher, fan of the league, I think back about the Cavs season, and you're right. It's like the the first start and the middle was so great and then all the injuries and it stinks and, and you know, they couldn't keep up with Brooklyn in the play-in and, and all that. You definitely don't think back on the Cavs like, oh, yeah, they overcame the slow start. It gets totally erased. So, yeah, yeah I think for both of these teams, the Cavs still sitting you know, out of the play, and even after this losing streak, right, and the Bucks obviously holding near the top of the East with, with these injuries, I think both of these teams are doing a pretty good job of overcoming a lot of bumps in the road here in October, November.
3: For sure, and, you know, I, I think it's so important. Like, I, I definitely understand uh, if you're a Cavs fan and, and, you know, you don't have the time to watch other teams and follow what's going on with other teams in the league, but I think there's, like, a sentiment that, hey, like, once again, injuries are striking, like we're the most injured team in the league, etc. But if you don't count for Ricky Rubio and Dylan Windler's missed games, they're actually like the third. They've had the third fewest man games missed in the NBA. It's right? been like, a brutal yeah.
1: season so far, man.
3: It, it really has been a brutal season across the league. And, and you know, like uh, I brought this up. Uh, last podcast where, when we were kind of discussing like the minutes being up uh, for some of the Cavs players, the minutes are up across the league. Like uh, the stat I had was 27 players playing over 35 minutes per game, the most since uh, 2013, wow. 2014. Like uh, it, it's pretty remarkable. And uh, Cavs, uh you know, I, I was hoping that maybe they'd be able to keep the minutes low by, you know, having some blowout wins, in, but keeping them low because uh, you, you rest some guys in the fourth quarter. <laughs> rest is rest baby um, yeah. but I, I do think it's important that we we have to get to Evan Mobley because yeah, yeah. Mobley had a, a uh, probably his worst game of the season against the Wolves and for him to I bounce. I thought you were
1: going to say tonight. I was going to say what am I missing? is This guy averaging fifty and thirty. if This is his worst game of the season. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you said so. I was like, wow, I knew he's good. I didn't know he was on wilt trajectory. Okay, okay, yeah, that he, makes he's sense. not.
3: He's not quite there yet. There give yet. give, yeah, give yeah, it yeah. a couple more years. He, you know, he's he's still in the Giannis before picture, and, and we're. we're <laughs> We'll transition it in a couple uh, of years.
1: This is pretty far from rookie Giannis. I'm not I'm not making any comps here, but that he's a much 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 farther than Giannis before like year four at least, I think. <laughs>
3: and and I, I think sometimes like with Mobley being so far ahead of the curve, like we expected it to be a process, but like with him being ahead of the curve now, all of a sudden like you accelerate your expectations too, yeah. and. You know he's still 21. Is going to have up and down games, and uh, I saw people got a, a little low on him at, after the Wolves game. But like when you you look at his recent game log, these games are becoming a little more frequent on the offensive end. Uh, I thought he was very assertive offensively, and it's nice to see him quickly bounce back from from a down game uh, going up against Rudy Gobert and having one against a very good Bucks defensive front court. Like I, I, I yeah. thought. Uh, His defense was obviously fantastic. Like uh, he had multiple tie ups on Giannis. I I thought uh, the help side blocks and and just the way that he was able to contest shots was really, really impressive. But the funny thing is when Mobley is playing as that help defender, it's really important, like for the Cavs defensive scheme for somebody else to come in and get that rebound. Right. Like if he's contesting the shot. He's up in the air. He's not in position to to get the rebound, and that's usually where you have Jared Allen or Dean Wade or some of these other guys stepping in, or even Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert have done a good job rebounding uh, overall. But that wasn't the case tonight. But overall, I I was just really impressed with Mobley. What what stood out to you?
1: I think what and, and I'm a sucker for some of the lost arts in the league, and you know having Robin Lopez, I'm sure, is helping him with this. But some of those baby hooks. In the the mid paint or the, the you know the short paint area right like right around the restricted area or just outside of it a little outside of it I'll say doing that over Brook Lopez I think is it he made it look really easy I expected maybe half of those shots that went in to actually go in because the, the phrase I use about Brook is like deceptively long so this is when he gets dragged out onto the perimeter like perimeter players shoot lower than you would always expect over him. Cause he's just, he's a behemoth and he gets Mm -hmm. the arm up. Like he tries, obviously he's a very sound defender, you know, DPOI level to start this season, certainly all defensive level. And the fact that Mobley, it just felt like continually, a lot of those nine shots were just, Oh, I'm just going to put it over Brooke and it's just like cash, like right in. That's really hard to do. And it's one of those things that if you don't watch a lot of the bucks, maybe it just doesn't, it doesn't register as such, Mm. but we were really impressed watching the game. Like, Wow, he's just like banking these things, or not even banking. He's just like laying these in with ease. Shows all the touch. And I do think his game for his age and his size is just so refined. Like it was a seeming like not effortless, but such a smooth. Like twenty points, seven rebounds, two assists, two blocks, a steal, no turnovers. <laughs> like that is an elite stat line for a young player with not a ton of. I mean, he had helper. I mean, it's two star guards here, but you know, not not a full strength team around him. Um, yep. And the one play, too, where he leaks out in transition, gets behind Brooke, which not hard to outrun Brooke Lopez, but still, you just <laughs> see, like, at his size, the speed is really there. Um, it just always impresses me when I watch him, what he does as a player, the complete package with Mobley.
3: Yeah, and I still feel like the the Cavs can do a better job. Um with the exception of garland like finding him when he's cutting off ball because you can tell like he kind of gets into passing lanes and like donovan might recognize it like a second later and, and at that point that that pass is gone, gone. Yeah. but that's one of those things that you hope once you get to the middle of the season you're going to get more easy buckets as a result of that because I'll, I'll need to check the numbers but to me it certainly feels like there's been more unassisted buckets for mobley this season like a little more self-creation uh the little mid-range jumpers and, and as you mentioned, the, the hook shots, pretty new addition to his game as well. What, what do you feel like the offensive ceiling is for Mobley? Because I, I have seen that debated a little bit. Um, again, I, I think a lot of that comes down to just impatience overall. But um, where, where do you kind of see him going in the future? Because obviously, as a Bucks fan, you have witnessed one of the greatest kind of player development stories in, in league history.
1: Yeah, it, it's really interesting. And I always try to not get too, I try to not buy into the linear progression with these guys because you just see it doesn't, it just doesn't usually work out that way. And not saying it won't with Mobley, but it's just,
3: I, it's just I, hard. I want to steal a comparison that I, I heard recently. Sorry to cut you off, but no, I wonder if uh, you're
1: going to take what, I, go ahead. I have I, one in mind.
3: I, I I wish I knew who said this because I thought it was really smart. But when it comes to player development, they said it's more like the stock market than it is something linear. Oh, where yeah. There really yeah. are kind of those peaks and valleys, ups and downs. But you have to look at the overall trend of, OK, how high are the peaks getting? How low are, are the lows getting? How frequent is it? Right. And over time, you can see the trend. But if you're looking on a game to game basis, you can kind of miss the forest through the trees.
1: 100 percent so i'm just pulling up because i I don't know i feel like this isn't ah, okay so i see some bosh in him and i know bosh more of a shooter and i think maybe it took him a little it took bosh longer to get to score that much but just the way that you just feel comfortable with him anywhere on the floor on either and again he's not shooting threes yet and we'll see if if that comes along i don't think it's necessary Mm-hmm. It may be necessary for them to go like championship level with this front court pairing. Cause I do think you're just a little, a little too confined to the paint between him and Allen right now. I think it would really open up a ton for them. Yeah. I mean, we'll see though. It could be the three point shot could be more creation, more, more shot creation or for others, maybe more out of the post now that he's seems to be developing those games. Like I don't want to put him into a box, mm-hmm. but I say Bosch just because of that, The comfort level with him doing so much. And I think defensively, especially for Mobley right now, of like on the perimeter, cool, he's great out there. Around the rim, cool, like he'll tie up Giannis on the way up. And I think that versatility is really special. So maybe maybe a little KG as well. Maybe KG is Mm -hmm. closer because he didn't get out as much stretchy. Those kind of players, though. And I think, you know, the toughness of KG, I think right now the finesse of his game is maybe where I'm getting Bosch from. Mm. But... I mean, two Hall of Fame players, two champions. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm slighting him. I feel like there may be no. a lot of expectations on the oh,
3: but no, no, Bosh and Kiji aren't slights. And, okay. And, you know, they're. they're Certainly, with like body type, that those are ones that you hear a fair bit. And what what always encourages me is that he's always looking to initiate contact. Uh, he, yeah. he doesn't have the the physique of Giannis to to really move a body when he puts a shoulder into somebody. But just the fact that like that's the mentality of you know I'm I'm not throwing that much weight, but I'm going to put my body into you. Uh, he he's now making a habit of dunking on Giannis, which is pretty great. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you saw the the picture from the game, but uh, I haven't gotta... seen the pic yet. Oh man, it, it's a really good one. It, you got kind of Giannis cowering a little bit. it, yeah. it would have, you know, if they win that game like they did, uh, uh w- it, what I called the turning point game last season, uh, where, where the Cavs had that big signature win over the Bucks. Uh, both teams healthy. Uh, yeah. I, I know they had a great record against the Bucks last year, but that there was some health asterisks in most matchups. Uh, yeah. But that one game, you know, they they came with that signature win over the Bucks, and then after that point. Garland's back issues started coming up. Yeah. Lowry went down. uh Then you know uh, Garland misses most of February. Then karis comes. He's out. Then you lose Wade. Then you lose Allen. Then you lose Mobley. And then you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that that was not fun at all. So no. um, when when the Cavs b- b- are like cautious w- with injuries, like uh you know, re- resting Donovan Mitchell because he had some ankle soreness against the Wolves. Even though he had a shooting slump in this game, it didn't seem like that ankle was bothering him. Uh, it seems like that they have their kind of finger on the pulse when it comes to that stuff. So, you know, if it comes with a few losses that you wouldn't like to have but can prevent some of these kind of long-term injuries, I'm I'm all in favor of uh, playing it safe when it comes to, to resting guys.
1: I sleep great knowing the Bucks are going to be really cautious and, you know, maybe ruin somebody's Wednesday when they go to watch Drew and Chris and Pat and none of those guys are playing. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, they have June goals. Right. And that's that's that really shows. I'll say this, too, about Mobley. The reason I don't compare pretty much anyone to Giannis is I just think and this comes from the Ben Simmons thing originally that that terrible mm. comp way back when.
3: I, I may have done it once or twice. I'm sorry.
1: Every, every, I mean, everyone got it on this once or twice. I mean, there was a time when it does did seem like Ben was going to be we're the better. We're really player. not
3: imaginative when it comes to comps and like even like team building comps, right? Like a play style yeah. comps. Like a, we, we really really aren't imaginative. It's, if, who's if on come,
1: top? You should be that. You're that, right? Are yeah. You, are you going to be the guy on top? Where's your <laughs> Steph Curry? Where's your Draymond?
3: Yeah. yeah good luck.
1: Good luck exactly. finding either of those guys. But it's the the mentality that that very few players have that Giannis has. Just like keep on going. You know the the famous quote, like I I airballed two in Oklahoma City. You know I've been at the bottom and just the relentlessness, the phys- like, not just physicality, but just the relentlessness to go with it. That's just so mm-hmm. rare in the league. You know I compare like I think John Morant has some Giannis. that he just like keeps going and he's just so relentless. I haven't seen that from Moby yet, which isn't a negative. That's not the only way to play. That's not the only way to be great. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think I, I see there's just. He has. I mean, he's got a better a better jumper right now, probably than Giannis, who's been really off all season. Right now, right now for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, Giannis actually had a pretty good midi. All of his jumpers, all of his shots have been really off this season. So, hoping we can get that tweaked. But um, that's just. Uh, I don't know. Mobley's. I, I love these young guys. Where I'm just like, I feel like his career could go a dozen different positive ways, and I can't wait to see which one it is
3: yeah to to me one of the real big positive when it comes to having mobley is it seems like the offense is better when he's getting touches like even yeah. if he's not necessarily scoring keeping him involved is so important because a lot has been made of the Cavs' kind of big question mark which is the small forward position right like yeah. when you have garland and mitchell mobley and allen that fifth guy is going yeah. to be what people focus on right and But what you want from kind of a playmaking forward is when teams trap and do the things that defenses can do against a a 6-1 and 6-3 guard, you need to have someone in the front court that can alleviate that pressure and initiate some offense. And for the Cavs to work as currently constructed, Evan Mobley needs to be that guy because I don't think you're necessarily getting that from the small forward position, at least not at a consistent level. Karras can alleviate some pressure, but as we saw tonight, he's it's not at a consistent basis where he's giving you that that kind of playmaking hub and, and uh, what you would want from a point forward. So keeping Mobley involved, uh, initiating things earlier in the shot clock, that was one of the things we really harped on. And I thought they actually did a better job of getting into their sets uh, against Milwaukee. To, to me, that really jumps out as one of the Cal's most consistent routes to to better offense. And the fact that Momley's part of that equation is really, really encouraging.
1: Yeah. And I think too, I, I think just logically when you look at how the floor is going to be set up for them with that, you know, the four obvious guys and then whoever Karras or whoever Dean Wade, if it's him out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like Mobley being the guy who is the, the release valve for the guards being trapped or whatever else. It also makes more sense because it just logically opens up the floor. Cause then that, that, that small forward position player is able to, you know, roam, whether he's cutting, whether he's spotting up, whatever he's doing versus if it's that guy, if it's going to Karras could still have one, one-and-a-half defenders in the paint in front of him there around Mobley and, and Allen, too. And the vertical spacing, I mean, that, of course, that's important, and that makes it harder. But still, I mean, just more bodies versus less bodies in the paint. I mean, that's the Bucks thing, right? You talk about five-and-a-half or four or five-and-a-half – I said it twice. Four-and-a-half <laughs> or five out, you know, it, okay, we have this one guy who teams aren't worried about shooting. Let's just put the ball in his hands a bunch. So then they, they kind of have to respect him or he's at the rim. So I think it makes a ton of sense. I do think long-term – Not to put you know a ton of pressure on a second-year player, but of course, I think their ultimate ceiling is going to rest on whatever mode we... I don't think he has to shoot. I don't think he has to do any one thing, but Mm -hmm. wherever he develops, I mean, clearly they've got something built where if he ends up being as special as a lot of folks think, you know, they're going to contend because they have all this infrastructure around him already, which is... I love team building like this. I love... Not doing the thing like with Towns or with Shea, where it's like, ah, oh, you're just, we're just going to suck for a while and mm-hmm. we'll make a move later. Like, no, make the move, be good. And and then, like, that's good for development. You don't need to be on bad teams for a thousand years to develop in the league. It happens like that because of the draft and everything, but I don't think there's a necessity. And the fact that some teams treat it like there is is always baffling to me.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like the, the Cavs, as a result of the offseason moves they made, you're going to get teams best shot uh, on a consistent basis. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, like that is going to lead to some frustrating nights. That's going to lead to kind of exposing maybe some of the inconsistencies that you have a, as a young team. But that's really, really important, right? Like that that's how you learn from those mistakes. And, and I, I think we're going to have an opportunity to see how the Cavs adjust and the mental toughness that they have because they're, they're now going into a homestand, uh, play Charlotte, but after that, You play Miami and you play Atlanta, and it's going to be three games in four nights. Really, really important to uh, obviously from a standings standpoint to to get wins over Miami and Atlanta. Personally, I'd like to see like a a two and one stretch over there. Uh, Then you play Portland on Wednesday before playing in Milwaukee again. So we'll uh, that's a tough stretch. We'll we'll be you know it's not going to get any easier from here on out and. Even then, like you play Milwaukee on Friday, then you play at Detroit and at Toronto. Another three games in four nights uh, stretch where Toronto is sitting at home the whole time and and rested for that game on Monday. Like that sucks. All of these games are going to be really difficult. And uh, if the Cavs are able to respond and, you know, uh, stay above 500 for this stretch of games, I, I think that would be a real feather in their cap and something that they can build upon and have. That midseason push that gets them back up the standings like they had last season, right? Like, uh, I really think it's important to kind of highlight the fact that, hey, everything wasn't solved at this point last year. There's going to be some growing pain still, even if the Cavs come out and they win a bunch of these games. I don't think that necessarily means that we aren't going to see lulls like this. It's just part of the process with a young team.
1: Yeah, I, I just got to say, it's so fun, especially the with the way the East is right now. Not all the teams are good, but all the teams, at least, I think, have one guy where you're like, oh, I'm excited to watch that guy for 48 minutes. And yeah. most of the teams are good. And even though, you know, of course, at the end of the day, do I want the Bucks to win a bunch and, you know, go win a bunch more in the playoffs? Obviously, yes. But it's more fun to go through this long season when it's like, oh, man, we're playing OKC. Oh, OKC is 5 and 6. Oh, Shea has got 30, 12, and 8. Oh, OK, this is good, <laughs> right? Like, you know, the the Pacers aren't tremendously good, but Tyrese Halliburton is like the best pure point guard in the league right now. And uh, Mathurin looks great. And, you know, the Magic stink, but Paolo's great. You know, the Pistons stink, but Cade is, well, Cade's coming along. Look great yeah. in one game against the Bucks. I'll give him that. But again, it,
3: growth isn't linear, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I just think it's a cool place for the league, especially the East. And it's kind of fun to do, but the Bucks have had a pretty, pretty weak schedule, which is kind of nice given all the injuries. But yeah. this was a game that certainly was circled as like, oh, this is going to be a really good one, even if both guys, both teams are missing a couple guys because we know these teams can play at a high level. So certainly, I think the Cavs are are seen as maybe not all the way there. I think there's certainly going to be people who leading into a playoff series are fading them a little bit just for yeah. you know the inexperience at that level. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think regular season wise with the kind of slump that Miami and some of these other team Philly are in, I think they're certainly seen as like, oh, you got to get up for the Cavs because they're, they're a good team. They play winning basketball despite the, you know, little losing streak here.
3: Yeah. And for me, I'm not worried about the Cavs at this point. Like, I, I think they have more than enough talent. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, playing better and and, and figuring out some of these things. Obviously, getting healthy would be helpful, but I think they've had enough to win each of these games with maybe the exception of Minnesota. But even then, like they they got back into that game. And um, I I think there's some positives here as well, where Mobley's getting more consistent run out there. Uh, Lamar Stevens, I know he went 3 of 10, but I, I think he did a good job overall uh, against Milwaukee and has done enough to say, hey, maybe he should have a, a consistent spot on the rotation. thought Isaac Okoro had, had a better game as well. Uh, this is kind of two more solid games for him um, and, and all of that's encouraging if you're looking to kind of uh, alleviate some of the minutes that the starters have been playing, go a little deeper into the bench. Uh, so there, there's definitely positives there and for me, I have 100% got Friday, November 25th against Milwaukee circled on my calendar. I,
1: I hope I hope the injury reports are non-existent for that. I mean, Joe Ingles will be out, right? But I, I hope yeah. outside of that, I hope yeah. outside of that they're non-existent. Joe I'm,
3: Joe Ingles and Ricky Rubio can just kind of hang yeah, yeah. out for a little yeah. bit on, on the sidelines. But outside of that, I'd love to see both teams fully healthy. And uh, a, a couple, uh, just to clear up my uh, notes from the game. Um, obviously, The offensive rebound advantage 13 to 6 was big for Milwaukee. What really was disappointing to me was the Cavs actually had an advantage on turnovers, 18 to 14, but yet they lost the fast break battle by Mm. 15 to 6. Like when you have six fewer turnovers, but you get smoked in in the fast break, like that is not something that should be the case, especially with Milwaukee going bigger for a lot of this game. You would think from a cross-matching standpoint that you would be able to take advantage of that. So uh, when we're looking at that um, November 25th matchup, those things need to be better, whether it's Jared Allen helping on the defensive boards. And if you win that uh, turnover battle again, you should be getting out running and getting in transition.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I can't believe we've gotten this far without talking about the Jordan War again. Oh, I mean, his best game of his career. I mean, I was so excited to talk to you about Bochamp because I know you're high on Bo Champs. I well. am. I love him. one for eight, had to travel Four offensive rebounds. He was one of the guys doing work on the offensive glass. Just makes good plays, fits in well, but has these cold shooting nights. So he'll bounce back. Love love me some Marjan Bochamp. But Jordan Wara, just complete basketball. A couple of excellent defensive plays. I mean, swipes the ball out along the baseline and gets Bucks possession back. I mean, a couple of really good defensive plays staying in front of, I think it was Darius Garland late in the game, kind of skittering around like uh, Darren Ravel, but still did the job and, and was a good possession. Six for 10 from the field, five for nine from deep, um, had about one, it looks like one um, steal, one block, three rebounds for Wara, uh, one assist, which is pretty average for him, but just really fit in super well. And it's kind of remarkable because it seemed like the book on him had just not changed for three years. Like <laughs> there's some shot making there, but overall just inconsistent. Like the pieces just aren't together. He doesn't fit in that well. Just in the way Bochamp does, he just looks at, it just looks like he fits out there. Wara hadn't. This was, I mean, he's relocating to the corner. Like, just a really impressive game. And I'm so glad I've got you on here for this. Boost this message. Get this trade value up before January. Because <laughs> there's not going to be a rotation spot by then. But my goodness, a shout out to Jordan Wara for making that win possible for the Milwaukee Bucks.
3: Know what that is? Do you recognize what occurred with Jordan Wara tonight? What's that? it was the sneakiest revenge game of all time because oh. game 82 against the uh, Cavs last season 7 of 23 from the floor minus yeah. 26 when he was on the court you know Milwaukee's resting a whole bunch of guys the Cavs just light them up he's struggling he remembered he remembered that he game and he made it a point of emphasis to just go ham on the Cavs tonight <laughs> which i don't appreciate at all but you know in, in a fight both sides are going to land some punches, so maybe, yeah. maybe we come back on the 25th and uh, we, we we respond to the Jordan-Noir game. <laughs> you
1: also, I'm sure you know somewhere in there he probably got snubbed by the Cabs on draft night and everybody else. He went 45th, so yeah, maybe that's internalized too. Who knows?
3: You know, you can't rule it out. Ty, thank no. you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Love talking basketball with you. Uh, before I let you go, uh, is there anything you'd like the listeners to know about? Uh, anything you want to plug? I
1: mean, really appreciate you having me on. Uh, If you're not already subscribed to this great podcast, wherever you're listening, you got to do that. Would appreciate if you subscribe to ours as well. Eurostep Podcast Network covering all things Milwaukee Bucks is our Bucks feed, or you can just find you know everything that we do easily at gspn.info. But thank you so much, Justin, for having me.
3: Oh, thank you, man. Really appreciate it too all of our listeners uh we're not live on youtube but if you're watching future podcasts make sure you're liking subscribing and clicking notification bells so you know when we're going live on youtube if you want to support the podcast the traditional way leave us a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of chase down's exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of that review to chase at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there until next time go cats